Y'all ready for this? Okay. For some reason, <laughs> hi, Janine. Michelle, Michelle likes to do weird, random taglines when we're starting the podcast episodes now. It's, but it's, I mean, Space Jam. Okay, not the not the new one that they just did. We're talking about the OG. old school. Oh, with, with like Michael Shaquille O'Neal and and Sha- oh, wasn't Shaquille O'Neal in that Shaq one? Shaq was no, no, no. You're thinking of some other basketball movie that Shaq was in. Was, You're right. Also, like in yeah, it was like Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan was in Space Jam. Scotty Pippen, I think. Um, some other dude that they're like old old school famous basketball players that have all been retired yeah yeah and the new one has lebron james and the only reason i knew that the new one even came out is because chewy dog toys sent my dog a lebron james oh and you're like why it was like a space jam themed thing yeah but my dog has eaten the ears off lebron james and i feel bad sorry lebron my bad marvin doesn't mean anything negative by it (laughs) He just likes your tasty ears. That's all. Apparently. Um. Yeah. Anyway, hi. All right. So hi. Ubuntu part two. Yeah. So Michelle had some questions for for us as we were closing out last episode, and so I hope, Michelle, I want you to just listen to what I've prepared today before you ask me any more questions about this. Okay. <laughs> but the questions she asked were, well, what about um, our friends with disabilities, right? What about people that might, won't necessarily be able to contribute um, yes. like physical labor, for example. Right. And yes. so I do have an answer for you. However, it is pretty abstract and we have to use our imaginations, Michelle, because the way that we think right now, as we've been conditioned by the way that the uh, quote unquote, I'm, I'm using democracy, which is a mm-hmm. false system. Yeah, loose. Um, it's a loose term. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Loose. Exactly. Loose term. Loose term is what it is because um, it we're not free. But anyway, um, I'm going to be tr- I'm trying to be more positive in this week's episode and I'm going and I'm going to be more talking about how we can start implementing like this concept into society um, and the recommendations that that these you know experts I suppose for lack of a better word the people that have actually been doing this work the people that have okay. implemented this um, in local communities um, you know I I I'm going to be talking about, so the book again, that we're going to be, that's going to be referenced a lot today is Ubuntu Contributionism, a Blueprint for Human Prosperity, Exposing the Global Banking Fraud by Michael Tellinger. And um, so, and also uh, I do have some points that I took from Chet Sisk's um, eBooks that I um, mentioned last time, and they will also be linked in our resources um, down below. So if you guys want to geek out and do some more reading uh, like me, then go for it, please, please. And then we would like to know your thoughts about all of this because there are questions. People have doubts. You know, there, this is, this sounds like a woo woo freaking weird ass con culty, culty concept, right? Michelle. It totally. Yep. It totally sounds culty. Yep. 
And dude, Michael Tellinger did, he brought that up. He was like, listen, I know it sounds culty, but, but here is why it's not a cult. And so we'll see Michelle. Okay. So after we're done with, with this conversation, I like like that he has some awareness to it. Yes. I would like to um, ask you again, if you think that you have a better understanding of how we can include all peoples of all ability levels in each community, okay? And okay. what the Council of Elders, and they're not necessarily elders, everybody. Elders is just a term, okay? It doesn't, they don't have to be old people. They just have to be like the experts in and and trusted and respected within their specific community, right? So like, okay. Michelle and I could be elders, even though we're only 36, Like, but we might be appointed that because people are like yeah they've got great ideas and they listen and they i trust them to run yeah 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 exactly so um what we're gonna start with today is last time i talked a lot about money and the banking system and how money's inherently evil and how it use it you know it's used to control us and keep us uh in this non-abundant mindset in this in this mindset of we need more right we we're not all our our needs are not met and so we're 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 always searching for more so this new social structure would be eventually would be a world without money and so here's a, a quote from michael tullinger the truth is that without money we actually achieve the complete opposite we unleash unbridled exploration scientific knowledge, sharing the most advanced discoveries in technology, free energy, engineering, design, construction, and every other area of life. By removing money, we remove all obstacles to progress in every sector and release the human spirit to create and discover without limitations. And so this concept um, is also, I've talked about the universal basic living wage, um, which is the concept that when our basic needs are met, so we, you know, we talked about this with the Maslow. Yep, Maslow, yeah. Of needs, Maslow, sorry, his hierarchy of needs. Pavlov is you're mixing Maslow and Pavlov. That's my yeah 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 my okay my bad. Pavlov Pavlov is the is the ringing of the bell. The right right and the dogs and the yeah yeah, salvation yeah, yeah. Maslow. 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 Yes. Um, and, and his that whole concept is that, you know, when people have all of these things fulfilled, then you can actually reach the highest peak, which is, you know, enlightenment and and all of this goodness and, and be, you know, becoming the creators that we were intended to be. So, right. Um, so right so we talked about that a lot but basically with this new social structure we have a reshuffling of priorities so now honor and integrity are the foundation of each community everyone knows everyone else and respects them for their contribution to the community whatever that contribution is and it does not have to be physical labor and we will talk about that below cool okay arts and culture but the idea is that everybody brings everyone sorry everyone brings Something, something yeah something um arts and culture are the backdrop um helping to fuel the rise in the collective consciousness so it's it's allowing people to be creative and and expressive and um you know art and culture that's a big part of who we are as human beings and so if we can 
if we can bring that back to one of our priorities and how we're forming, you know, form formulating our communities, then everybody I think is going to be happier um, on, on, a, on a community scale. Um, children are given freedom to pursue their talents as a future contribution to their community. And we'll talk about what the new education system looks like. Um, gluttony, greed, or envy have no place um, because everyone has everything that they need. Um, money is as undesirable as a terminal illness. And infinite diversity and cooperative unity creates abundance beyond our wildest imaginations for all of humanity. So this is a world that many have dreamed about, and yet so few of us are actually brave enough to move forward and create. Um, this is not utopia, okay, everybody? I'm not, this is not utopia. Okay. This is the natural order of things. And in a flash, the family of human beings joins everything else in creation that coexists without money. The moment we remove money from our lives and from the system, everything changes for the better almost immediately. Okay, so with this proposed new system, we are we're gearing for communities that have no crime, no hunger, no homelessness, no greed, no gluttony, no extortion, no hoarding, no accounts, no debt, no hierarchy, no control, and no obstacles to any kind of progress. So the fundamentals of this society of contributionism are five fivefold. So basically no money is rule number one, no barter mm -hmm. is rule number two, no trade is rule number three. Number four is no value is attached to anything which makes it more valuable than anything else because all of our contributions have to be respected and accepted as equally valuable. And everyone contributes their natural talents or acquired skills for the greater benefit of all in their communities. So this is a self-correcting system because all decisions are made by the people through their community appointed council of elders who make the final call on what needs to be implemented to meet the needs of the people on a daily basis. Everything is done for the benefit of the entire community not for the benefit of individuals at the expense of others. So this is this is like a minority rule instead of ma a majority rule philosophy, where the minority rule is a philosophy of cooperation and unity rather than competition and division. This whole, you know, the whole foundation of this majority rule system is it's a false construct because majority doesn't rule and all of these minority populations are being disserved by this quote unquote majority rule situation where most of us, so the majority of the people did not actually vote for the laws that are in place that are that we're being controlled by. Right. And so if we move it to this minority rule where we're all cooperating and we're unified and we have a council of people that are that are going to listen to our needs individually right from the community standpoint so to talk more about your question michelle and what i was thinking about is with people of all ability needs right if so if we have a community and we happen to have um, a larger population of people with special needs in our community then obviously we would need to make specific rules or or um um 
not exceptions, but we would have to create concessions to make sure that they would be able to contribute um, whatever they're able to contribute, right? So yeah. like, think about some of your clients, like what were their, like art, right? If somebody was is was making art or they were able to, um, they really did want to learn how to, how to plant, how to plant flowers, right? Maybe they wanted to learn how to do agriculture or, or they wanted to learn how to, um, they wanted to be involved in the education system, right? They wanted to work with the, the kids and they want to be involved in that process. Like, you know, so it's like, we have to be, as we have to be creative and like the current system that we're in and the current mindset that most people are in doesn't actually allow us to be creative. And it doesn't allow us to think about how we could actually, like this system is like so much simpler, even though it seems really complicated and convoluted because it, but it, it's, it's a simple notion, right? Like if we're all coming together and we're all, it's on the community level, on a daily basis, the council will listen to the people of the community. And if something's not working, then all of the people get to decide that it's not working. And then they get to go to the council and say, hey, council, this isn't working. We need to change it. What What are you going to do? Right? Um, right. Okay. So we can have many solutions. So there, So I, this is kind of what I was talking about that can all be implemented because money is no longer the hurdle um, to anything that we propose as the people. The current system keeps the power in the hands of those who call the shots under the illusion that the voters have had their say. And from that moment on, we are stuck with the option of what we voted for. So democracy is not a sustainable model and does not serve all the people fairly. It is a system that subtly promotes a divide and conquer philosophy. The Ubuntu model provides for all the needs of all the people and allows the implementation of many ideas, options, and choices that the people propose. So this is a system of people finding their own solutions for their own needs, not being dictated by laws that they did not agree to. Um, the Ubuntu contribution system is based on the laws of nature, so it cannot be corrupted and it cannot fail. Um, because it functions as a self-correcting system that always reverts back to provide solutions that are for the greatest benefit of the community. So as, as we begin to explore these possibilities, um, you can find, you'll find that, this, that the system, that this system always provides the solutions. And so Michael Tellinger, he says, since my first public discussion on contributionism, I have heard thousands of arguments and excuses why this will not work and why it will fail. Unfortunately, all of our current questions are asked from the perspective of the current system we are in and the set of circumstances that determine how things function today are completely different to the set of circumstances that will shape our activity in the new system. In other words, we have to undergo a complete paradigm shift in our hearts and minds even before we ask the questions. It is very difficult to imagine a quote, perfect world while being stuck in this one. So before you ask a question to which you expect a simple answer, first go through the set of circumstances that will prevail in the new system and ask yourself how it will affect the entire process and how it will impact what you are asking about. Imagine 
how it will work in a world without money. Identify the things that will have an effect on what you're asking about and repeat the five point mantra, which I'll, I'll tell you guys what it is. Very soon the answers will come flooding in because we all have the answers within us already. All we have to do is ask the questions and allow our humanness and our hearts to lead us to the answers. So then there's, there's this, what, what do you call is the trigger point to each person's awakening um, into right. this higher uh, thoughts of consciousness? Um, so one of the first questions people usually ask is once they've come to grips with this concept and once they're like, okay, that sounds cool. Like, so how do we get there? Like, how do we, how do we go? How do we get here from, you know, how do we get there from here? And, um, you know, I want to be there now. So how do we do it? And how can I get involved? Um, so the first thing that we all need to do is talk about it. So that's why I'm, we're talking about it. You're right talking now. about it. On this podcast, um, people don't know about this. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to share this information and then let people percolate this information in their own subconscious and their consciousness. And eventually something will happen called the, you know, the trigger, the trigger will happen that will uh, uh, cause the, the person to then be like, oh my God, like this is fucked. And like, I want to do this new system. Right. So if you don't, so like people aren't going to understand this at the time. I don't necessarily understand what I'm talking about either, but I, I want to, I'm kind of at the point where I do feel like this is, this is what needs to happen. I'm, I'm feeling called to do this work and I'm feeling called to share this with, with everybody, um, with all of our followers. And hopefully our followers will start talking about this and we can have conversations about it um, so that we can see if we can start making change, affecting changes in our, our local communities. Um, so even if they don't decide it, sooner or later, something will happen that will trigger our memories and will allow us to reevaluate the stored information. So it's like, no matter who you are, where you came from, um, what, what, if you're even a bankster, right? Even if you're one of the top people that can control right. the money, everyone has a trigger point. Um, the smallest things can trigger our imagination and allow us to process this information from a completely different perspective. So if we can just allow ourselves to just imagine and just, you know, maybe take off some of the limitations that have been put on to us by this current society that we're living in, you know, we might be able to see there, there are other possibilities. How can we be creative and how can we use our talents, whatever that talent is to come together and, and you know, create something like this. This process, has already begun, okay? Because people have actually been talking about this concept since probably the 90s, I would say. And um, there are other, there are countries that actually have government systems that are kind of founded on this Ubuntu principle. So they're not like democracies, so okay. to speak. They, I don't know, I don't know what they're called, but they just have these notions of how they run their government as they provide services for their, um, for their people. Okay, so if you look at um, Sweden, Norway, Finland, um, a lot of other Western European countries that have, um, no, I would say 
I would say mostly this relates to Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Iceland has um, a similar system where they do kind of have this um, universal basic uh, wage philosophy where they want to uh-huh. make sure that all of their all of their people have access to food, housing, water, clothing, sh- you know, are, like all of the basic needs. And they've found like by implementing this on their in, in the countrywide level is that they their people have been able to be more creative, more innovative, and have actually been able to develop some really cool technologies and some really cool things that perhaps would never have come to fruition if they were still working towards getting their basic needs, right? So if all right. of us were just scrambling around like little worker ants and we're just trying to make this money so that we can buy and provide for our families and ourselves, but at the basic level. So then once we're done with that, how can we, like m- most of us don't have money left over to do things that fuel our soul, you know? So right. that's, an, that's, that's one of the reasons why this really initially, why this topic spoke to me because I was, well, I, 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 yeah, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just thinking like, I think it's important to point out that sure. And currently, you know, people have the ability to follow their hopes and dreams, but usually they're so exhausted and mentally worn out by the time they're yes. done making an income to provide the basic yes. needs for themselves or their family that they don't actually, they don't have the brain space for it. Right. And they don't get right. Or they don't have time. You're right. Or they're just so exhausted that they literally just can't think of anything else. And they're just just over it. Um, And you're very right, Michelle, that is, that is um, a huge factor in this. And so one of the, one of the pieces of the, uh, the contribution contributionism model is that um, and, and I'm going to start talking about this transformation and how we can start implementing some of this stuff. But one of the concepts is that when you're in the community uh, contributionism community, that each person is only required to to work or for three hours a week to contribute three hours of their time a week. And they still okay. benefit they still benefit from living in the community, all the food, all the energy, the housing, everything, right? All of their basic needs are met. And if they're only, if they only need to, you know, donate, not donate, but they are contributing only three hours of their time. Think about how much time is left for them to be able to, to, to find their passions and to actually go and do their hobbies without worrying that, you know, that they need to find food or shelter right whatever you know they or they could you know people could actually um in this model you if you're interested in learning about something that you've never had the ability to learn about before like i'm i'm very fascinated with renewable energy but i'm not a scientist and i've never had like the schooling you know necessary to learn those things but in this model we would have you know experts in each field um, ideally that would know how to set up these systems. And then they would be the ones that would teach the other people in the community how to, how to do these skills. If they want, if that's what they wanted to learn how to do, if that's what they wanted to contribute. Right. And so, yeah. um, 
So I, I think that that's really cool because then I could be like, oh, well, this week I would like to learn how to do hydroelectricity and I would like to learn how to do the pumps and how you get the water. Like, I want to learn about that. So can you teach me how to do that? And and I will do the work right this week or whatever. And and so I think um, since since the um, Council of Elders like is appointed by the community and since they have, they see the people like they have to be available to to see the people on a daily basis and and then they have to be able to make changes if it's if it's for the good of like the whole community the transition here's the transition period so people are tell me about this transition yeah because they're like how can we stop using money janine when literally we're in a system that needs us to use money okay all right okay so to explain the transition from a capitalist money-driven society to one that operates on the other side of the scale is tricky. So this is the crazy thing about our enslavement. In the beginning, we will need to use money to set up structures that will eventually allow us to free ourselves from money. We will have to go through transitional stages in which we will have to accommodate money while doing many things without money or payment. There may be a need for alternative currencies created by individual communities to protect themselves against exploitation and many other situations that are hard to predict right now. The money controllers will not give up their control willingly, uh, but at the same time, they are all human beings as well, undergoing the same rise of consciousness as everyone else. So only a few people at the top know about the lies and deception, while the largest majority of people in all industries are mere employees trying to survive like everyone else and provide for their families. So for now, the bankers are supported by laws that were created to uphold their system, the police, the army, and every other organ of state in place. Therefore, our aim should not be to confront those in control, but to find ways to convert them to the higher consciousness. We have to find ways to bypass the economic restrictions on our communities and take control of our own survival. Find new ways of doing things and providing for ourselves with less and less interference from so-called authorities. Our constitutions and human rights, together with the application of common law, will pro probably play an important role in our attempts to bypass the system in our efforts to create a new system of our own design for the people. So we must avoid creating another system of hierarchy that allows a new set of megalomaniacs to replace the existing dictators. The transformation to the Ubuntu contributionism system cannot happen in one step. It will happen in incremental steps as we have to liberate ourselves from the many levels of control. These will be highly liberating and exciting times with limitless possibilities for everyone as we all begin to realize how simple it really is. And so um, to actually start implementing this, it is easiest to start this transition within rural communities. People who are tired of money and the money trap and are ready to implement something new people who are ready to build communities that are self-reliant without the ugly influence of money and um 
this will cause a reversal of the trends of the past century where people from the countryside were lured into the cities to seek fame and fortune. So we're basically going to have a, re a reversal where more, more and more people are going to actually be moving to the rural communities and out of the urban, like massive mass cities. Um, because if you think about how our rural communities are set up, that's usually where our agriculture is. Um, that's where, you know, mining is, that's where forestry is like right. a lot of the, right. The infrastructure that, that supports our big cities, they is in the rural. Yeah, correct. So if we can start the planning, if we can start, you know, these communities from, from these, the smaller rural communities that are already existing and already have some of these, um, how the system set up for, um, you know, creating food and resources for the whole population. But if we bring that back to just them and themselves and what they need to support their own community, then that's, that's where that whole thing comes in. So it would, um, the implementation in the rural town, so the model provides the beginning of a domino effect that will be unstoppable because once the first town is virtually self-reliant and self-sustainable, it will actually force all of the neighboring towns to follow the same model because they will not be able to compete with the cheap product made available by their Ubuntu neighbor. And it's not cheap in terms of, it's just like less expensive, right? Because when you, when we have people that are producing all of the resources that we need in that one community, it's going to be cost effective because you're not going to be worrying about transportation costs, shipping, right? Everything is locally sourced and locally right. obtained. So there's no need to go outside of the community. And that's where these higher costs come in is because you have to get the products, right? But we're, if we're creating the products right there, then we don't have you know some of those other costs associated with it. And it's cheaper to produce because if every single person in the community is only required to, to give three hours of their time per week and say there's a thousand members in the community, that's, a thousand times three is three thousand, right? <laughs> so that's that's three thousand hours a week. Yes, Janine, that is three thousand. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you, guys. Math is not my strong suit, but um, so that's three thousand hours a week, right? That 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 we're not that people aren't paying for that companies aren't having to pay these these employees to to do this work anymore, and so it's like the labor is free, um. Does that make, because it's not free mm -hmm. because we're doing the labor so that we can get the resources, right? So does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So what essentially happens is the labor isn't, is free because no one's getting paid, but it's part of your civic yes. duty to in order do the to, labor. In order to get the services, in order to receive the food and all of the resources in that community, you have to contribute as a member and you're only required to contribute three hours of your time or the other thing and we'll get into this is uh money right so there so i know it i know it sounds counterintuitive but as i just said the transition from a money we're, we're in a money system and we need to trans you know transform into the system that doesn't need money but we will still need money to 
until like all the communities have been, you know, formed in this new way, we still need money to be able to interact with other communities and to buy things that we can't necessarily produce in our community. Right. So I think if you call it like currency instead of money, like it's, it's more of like you need currency. So, because I feel like you could still barter or trade maybe with some other communities as it's building because you just have to have a good or service that someone could take or trade. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you could still have some sort of currency in the. Right. Right. And so, and there are like alternative forms of like currencies that could be created in the specific community itself so that it wouldn't be like the government form of money so it would only be a, it would only be usable like within that community if that makes sense and so because uh michael challenger goes into and i didn't i we're not going to talk about this because we could go on all these other tangents but tangents about it yeah he deep dives into the laws how the laws are set up in our in the com- in the country right now and there's like loopholes that um for like all these different things like mm-hmm. bankruptcy foreclosure like what like within the financial system but also within other laws and then he also um talks about obviously he talks a lot about the money and how it's evil and when it was originally um set up you know 2000 plus years ago how it actually did have a basis of currency so if it was set up with um silver or gold backers for example then that that was one thing but right now as uh, in the current system the money doesn't actually exist it's not there it's just a promise right so you're basically just the banks are like oh yeah you're just promising that you're gonna pay but really it's it's not actually there it doesn't actually exist um you're just whatever we don't have to we're not going into that okay so okay don't talk about it don't get sidetracked if we want to know more about it we can go find out for ourselves deep dive you can deep dive okay yes so basically if we're if we're starting the rural communities we need to implement community projects right away um and so the emphasis would be then to create as many community projects as possible and slowly reduce our dependency on outside produce materials and money until we don't need the money at all or currency at all. These projects must cover as many areas as possible to allow as many people as possible with as many diverse skills as possible to participate. It has to be a social, industrial, agricultural, scientific, and cultural initiative that will potentially include everyone in in the community. So it will be achieved because... um, we there are people in every single community that have different skills have different knowledge um and we don't necessarily know that because the present structure doesn't allow us to like mingle and exchange the ideas and actually get to know who our neighbors are and what their true talents are Um, right so because because we live in these boxes and um we have privacy and we're not you know so the whole the whole notion of like community at least in the urban centers i would say is like 
I don't really see it. I don't know, like Michelle, you live in a more rural place. Would you say that you know more of your neighbors and stuff and you have more of a um, sense of community where you live? I would actually say, I think, well, I think I know my neighbors less. Um, I guess, oh, I don't, I guess I don't really know. No. Part. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, there's not really a lot of community space that we go to, but we did recently just have like a fun fest in our community. So we got to meet some of our neighbors. And then I realized that I actually did know a lot of people there. So I, I guess yes and no. Okay. Um, people are very familiar. Like I know yeah. people's faces, even though I don't necessarily talk to them. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, just same with me. Like I, I recognize my neighbors. Like I'm like, oh, I know that that person lives in the building next to me, but I don't know their name. I couldn't tell you anything about them other than I just recognize that they live in the community. That's, you know, that's, right. where, that's where I'm at. So we have to um, take back the control and that would be a step by establishing this, the council of elders. Um, but before I get into that, so now he's talking about all sorts of crazy math and science shit right now. Okay, so apparently, apparently, Michelle, the structure of things in the world, in, in nature, is based on geometry, okay? So math actually has a purpose, apparently. <laughs> that's, that's cool, that's cool. Um, so, you know, if you look at the DNA... Um, ribos what you know the the, the what, what do you call that thing the dna the, strand the heat yeah. the double helix the heat the helix the double helix yes yes and then like if you look at seashells and the, how they have like the the circle uh -huh. things or if you look in the universe and you see you can see like the stars and everything like all of that's fucking geometry based apparently like the way that the structure is made is based on like all of this, this num these numbers and like random shit. Okay, so I don't understand it, but apparently it's important to note because um, say it's the universe and the space it occupies is the geometric seed for all of our knowledge. It is the infinite expression of our divine creation by the creator of all. The word sacred actually has nothing to do with religion or new age, but it has everything to do with the structure of the divine creation and the natural order of things, which includes everything, including every atom in our bodies. So it's just like, it's just like the, I guess the notion that we were all created with these, like the scientific and mathematical and, but like beautiful, like spiritual kind of thing right like we're all connected like so do can you see like how this concept of ubuntu is like we are you know you are because i am and i am because of you you are you know we're all connected and so i can kind of see that what he's getting at here is like using these more like scientific based principles or mathematical principles which are more like logic based you can then get other like people to see that, oh, like actually it has this other connotation as well, where everything is created in these patterns with these numbers, with even if you look at computers, binary code, that's all zeros and ones, right? And like, right. And then, like encryptions, like the, that the banks use, like that's all based on numbers and, um, and symbolism. And so 
um, he was just, he just goes into talk about how even in like all the religions in the world, all of the ancient temples and the cathedrals and all of, all of the things that were constructed uh, from a spiritual way or whatever, they were all constructed according to this sacred geometry principle where they have to have like certain numbers and like the, the things all have to like work out. Um, and that's, we're not, that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Because I don't understand it. So let's just move <laughs> on to the council of elders. Um, so the first thing, this is what, like the first thing that we should do in, in any community is um, appoint their own representative body whose primary objective is to look after the interests of their community and all of the people in that community. The new council should be a group of people who are known in the community and are truly respected for their knowledge and wisdom by that community. The council should consist of 13 appointed people of wisdom. Again, they don't have to be old to be considered an elder. They just have to be respected and wise. So there's, it's 12 around one. So basically the, the um, 13 collective like council members appoint the senior elder among themselves to be the spokesperson for the council. So if you can imagine a circle of 12 and then the one in the middle, like that is based off of this sacred geometry principle that, that, that he was trying to explain before. That's why. Okay. Because we're supposed to understand that the reason that we're creating our council that way is so that it will align with with the the energy of of things and how and how the universe is and all that fun stuff. Okay, great. So we got thirteen peeps and we got the the senior elder who is then the spokesperson for the council, and this council will guide, advise, and implement the needs of that community on a daily basis. The COE, that's what we're calling the Council of Elders, the COE, Makes sense. Will, con will consult with the people every day and hear what their needs are. They'll listen to their suggestions, and then they'll wel welcome new members into the community, and then they'll allocate um, actions to be taken on the most pressed of that day on the like from the community. Um, but it will not interrupt or interfere with the flow of life in the community, unless that is, is unless it's requested by the people that live in the community um the council will initiate the implementation of new ideas or projects to improve and upgrade all aspects of the community every member of the community must be able to speak to the council at any time um, this is a system that provides for the many diverse needs of many minorities on a daily basis the access to the council by the people will keep the system in check and create a quick turnaround if something has gone wrong or if some sectors of the community are unhappy about something. To initiate the path of transition, the community has to do everything it can lawfully to take control of its own town councils and management of services. It may be a simple vote of no confidence by the people and appointing the Council of Elders as the representative community body instead. So basically what he's saying here is um, we still have to abide by the current laws, um, but, mm -hmm. and I don't know how, I don't know what that looks like um, in each, you know, I think each state would have probably different, different um, laws that you would have to maybe do some research and see how you could 
legally overthrow the existing um, like law keepers of that community. Okay, so funding. So like I said before, it's like we still need money in order to make these changes on the community level before we're like, it's like a self-sustaining community and it's creating food and, you know, everything that the community needs. So, so during the first phase of the transitional um, period, each community or each town would need to establish a, uh, like a bank account or a trust account rather, where every person that's living in that community, um, they would, it would all funnel into that trust. And so now um, the trust account is, would be protected um, by banks and, and uh, other institutions because the trustees would be the people of that town or community. And so it's not, they're not able to exploit that because the trustees, you know, have control over their trust. Right. Um, and so then, um, then the council of elders would, would use that trust um, based on what, you know, the people are like, yeah, we want this. Then they would um, appoint the funds from the trust that's collectively um funded by every person that lives in that community so again everybody's contributing what they can right and it doesn't necessarily have to be the same amount of money it's whatever you can contribute um the the council of others would then pay like the collective bill so like for the water for the electricity for the existing systems that are controlled by the government they would use those funds to pay those municipalities until um, until the community is able to create their own energy and their own like um, water. So the Ubuntu um, projects must commit some cash every month to the people's account. Those who simply cannot contribute any cash can contribute their time. Okay, so there we go. So if they can, if people don't have money, then they can contribute time. Um, to receive the benefits from the projects. There will be those who contribute cash, time, and both. And the distribution of benefits will be proportional to everyone's contribution at the start. So the aim is for these various projects to involve the entire community in various ways and provide the first freedoms as soon as possible to its people. The initial focus must be on projects that will provide the cornerstones water, food, electricity, or energy, and housing. And then as one town succeeds, the others will follow their example to emulate their successes. Um, this is a temporary solution and in the initial transitional phase. The existing money system is not a long-term solution, but an uh, intermediate plan is required to get the town self-sufficient and off the grid. So they have to, we have to play by the rules, right? We have to play fair. So the, um, under this system, we have new laws and guidelines that would have to be uh, implemented in order for everybody to um, achieve freedom and, and to be happy and healthy and get all their basic living needs. So very simple pr 
principles. So I think what, what he was talking about before application of common law. So this would be more of like a common law is, um, do not kill or cause anyone harm. Do not okay. steal or take that, which is not yours and conduct yourself honestly and honorably in all that you do and say. Okay. So those are like the basic common laws that we as people, like we as humans should be abiding by. Um, and so every community will create their own, will create new guidelines and additional laws for their own community needs, which will be specific to the activities of that community. So for example, fishing communities will have a different set of guidelines and laws that are specific for fishing, boats, rivers, beaches, and so on. While communities that have a higher percentage of like technology, for example, or people working with computers, they would have a very different set of laws because you know those are different services and different they need to have different needs you know we basically have to view every sector of society with different like with a with new eyes and there's unlimited opportunities and we just have to like not restrict our ideas to money right so we just need to that's that's going to be a hard shift. I mean, that I feel like that's the hardest shift. That's probably I would agree that's yeah. the hardest. Is to just get over this fact that like money we don't need it and like okay, so how Anyway, so there he he goes deep dive, okay guys. We're not I'm not going deep dive. I'm just going to give you the basics of what of how we how this would work, right? And then We'll go over some frequently asked questions and then the conclusions that he come that he came up with for like this overall system. But so basically the people would be participating. Um, the people contribute their time and their talents. The, the launch of new product projects would then require as many, excuse me, would require the participation of as many people as possible from the community. And um, there will actually be people, you know, at the onslaught of when this happens that are going to just be sitting back watching, sitting on the fence um, to see what happens without getting too involved in the initial phase. Um, but only those who participate will benefit from the goods produced. So it's sad for them that they don't. Is we need to have um, community income generation during the transitional period. So every community project which is launched during this initial phase must have some sort of like short-term financial aspect to it while providing long-term solutions towards a self-sustaining self-sustaining community products and services that communities can be can sell and trade you know in the interim while they're still working on moving towards this model of full contributionism um, and then if they make money from the goods and services that are produced in their community, that money then goes into that, um, the trust, and that trust is then used to, for continued improvements and upgrades for the, for that community. So it's like okay. every, uh, everything that's collected in the interim from the goods and services that are being produced gets goes back directly put community. back into the community. Yes, yes, yes. So like. Things and like I'm guessing bread. what I'm sorry. I'm guessing what that is spent on is determined by the community as a whole. Like they, exactly, exactly. Yep. They're, so that they would say. So the basics would be Michelle. We need to set up food, water, energy, and housing. That those are like the, the first four things 
that need to be mm-hmm. set up in order to, to for everyone to have their basic needs met, right? Like those are like the pillars of basic needs, I would say, like to be sheltered, fed, have water. Like those are- Absolutely. Needed. You need them right. to survive. Totally. So I, I would say that in this uh, initial period, um, so say we're in this, we're in a rural community who already has agriculture set up, right? They're already, they're a farm community. So they already have food. They already have, they're already, they have livestock. They're already, they already have chickens. You know, they already have cows. They have stuff like that already in place. So they could then use the chick, the existing chickens and cows and agriculture. They could um, harvest that and they could sell that. And then they could take you know, the profits and put it back into the community. So then, right. So then we could, so then they could build. So if we already have agriculture set up, then we need to actually build um, the, um, make sure the water system is set up accordingly for like that we have enough drinking water and we have enough water to then uh, irrigate all of our crops and everything like that. And then um, once we have that figured out, we would have to figure out, okay, so what kind of renewal energy energy could we do here like solar water um high, like can we do wind is there a combination of things that we can do do we need to um create some sort of backup generator you know so like just just ha- talking in the community with what kind of like what is our what do we already have like what are the resources that we already have and what do we need in order to make it this like full contribution society um and then like housing, right? So if there's not enough housing for everybody, then we need to figure out ways to to get the materials that would be used to build homes for people. Right. You know, even if even if they're tiny houses, right? Like even if like literally, if that's just it's just a bed and shelter and a place that you can call your own. Like that, I think that would be um, that would be cool. So basically we want to, we want to use what we have. We want to make money and then put that money back into the community so that we can then with our council and with the people, we can decide what's most important to focus on first. Then once we get that set up, you know, then we can work on setting up these other um, systems to get quote unquote off the grid. Yeah. So tell me more, Janine. Okay, so just some of the um, examples of other things that could be utilized on the community level in order to generate income in the beginning that they can then put back into the community is um, like bread, milk, cream, butter, cheese, eggs, chickens, vegetables, fruit, seedlings, fish, spring water, furniture, windows, doors, other building materials, bricks, fertilizer, compost, camping and recreational activities. So, you know, if you're like at a a sick mountain resort and you've got water and stuff, um, water activities, you can have people come, like tourists come and they would pay to stay like at the community, right? And so that could be something that you could take and then put back into that community. Well, okay. So, yeah. So, so you're saying they still pay. So there is still money. It's just handled differently. Um, Yep. So my question would be where would the tourists get that money to go to that place? Well, the tourists would still be from a traditional um, system. You would be marketing the community like as an Ubuntu community and then people that are interested in that. 
they want to come and learn what that means and they want to come and see it live right and, and in person and then take take advantage of maybe some of these other recreational activities so like i said if if we were here in colorado and like say this community is like in the mountains and there's like a river that you can do rafting or kayaking or like whatever um and that river's on our on the land then we could we could use that resource and we could make people pay for it right like okay so then if another I if another Ubuntu person comes from another community, would they just donate their time toward that community while they're there? Right. Yep. If, if so, I believe that what would happen is they would have to go to the council of elders and they would have to introduce themselves and they'd have to say, Hey, like I'm so-and-so and I live in this community and you know, we're an Ubuntu community. And I was wondering if I would be able to, um, give you, you know, these, this is what I'm an expert in. I was wondering if I would be able to help you implement this into your community. And I can, now I can just stay in your community for that period of time while we're implementing like this new thing. So say, yeah. Like, so like travel years, still exists, you know what I mean? Yes, like that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So like travel transportation, like every single sector and every single system that has been created and is in existence there would be alternative um, implementations for each one of those sectors. And okay. so this book, he literally dives down into all of that shit, but I'm okay. just like, I'm it's overwhelmed. A lot of, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of, information. of information. So I thought that it would be easiest for us to just kind of talk about more of the like bigger, like more up, like larger That's concepts. Cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, but like, so you can see though how tourism and hospitality could be used as yes. something that they could then generate the income and then put it back into their community or find other people that are, that are contributionist mentality and then they would contribute and, and the community would still benefit because they're bringing their expertise into the community, right? And they're, they're volunteering their time not volunteering. You know what I mean? They're contributing. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically this whole, this whole system is, is a labor of love. That's what we're calling it. LOL labor of love. Um, (laughs) there's like, cause there's no jobs or careers or like slain away. Because like I said, you literally have to contribute three hours of your time per week. And how many hours are there in a week, Michelle? I don't know. A hundred and something. (laughs) 24 times seven. Yeah, 24 times seven. Sorry. Yeah. I got you. My brain was not even going to the right place. 168, everybody. There we go. 168 hours a week, and you're contributing three hours of your time. Okay. Okay. So that makes us happy, right? So you don't have to slave away from sunrise to sunset just to stay alive, folks. Um, or working in factories or for some corporation exploiting you. Um, so in this world with no money, because there's no money, nobody earns a salary, nobody gets a paycheck, right? We just get to utilize the services in the community. Um, and there's no money to pay anyone. Instead, everyone has a labor of love, LOL. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> follows their passions and uses their God-given talents as we were meant to, Michelle, as we were meant to. Everybody does what they choose to do for the community 
and um, because they love doing it and they're good at it. And then the community honors and respects them for their valuable contribution from which everyone benefits. Um, so they, because they contribute, they have access to anything and everything at all times, just like everyone else. So this, this allows everyone to wake up and they're smiling and they're happy and they get, they get, they look forward to being able to use their passions and their skills and these things that they've honed, you know, their entire lives. And um, nobody is a workaholic anymore. Nope, nope, because people get to actually do what they want to do. Yeah, they get to have um, free time. So you have another 18 hours in each day to do what you want without restriction or any cost to you. So you can follow your hobbies or other passions. You can learn other skills, right? Like I said, you that maybe wouldn't... Um, be into your like your contribution time like you could literally just go and be like hey can you teach me xyz and then maybe i want to switch over to that maybe i have a passion for this now i don't know so see michelle do you see how i'm fitting our adhd neurodivergence into this okay because yeah i don't i don't want to have to do the same shit all the time sorry but that's just like I, my brain i don't like that I, I i like to do new things i need to be able um, to yeah bounce between my talents like bounce like some days i'm yes. really creative some days i'm very yeah. organized some days i'm not very organized right. some days i yeah. can do very logical thinking and some days i want to be whimsical and dreamy yeah. yeah yeah so i think i think that since the council of elders literally meet on a daily basis and since like the people could like i if we wanted to do something else, we could probably go to the council of elders, Michelle, and be like, hey, this, like, I'm feeling this way today. How can you use these talents that I'm, that I'm showing up today? How can I, how can I contribute? And then they right. would say, oh, like, this is the project. These are the projects that we have, like, the most need for. Maybe you could do X, Y, Z, and that would allow you to use whatever you're feeling. So say Michelle's, like, really organized. Like maybe Michelle could be the project manager that day and she can go and make sure everybody's on task and, you know, make a checklist and do all that. I don't know. I don't, I don't exactly. Know yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I'm just thinking like if we can be more abstract with our thinking and just like, but, and since every person has a voice in the community and and they and everybody wants to contribute. I don't see why it would be an issue if we contribute differently on a daily basis. Is all I'm saying. Right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So in my contribution community, that's how it would be. Everybody can pick what they want to do, what they're <laughs> feeling, and and it, we're going to be chaotic. It's going to be chaotic, but it beautiful. All right. So the the five areas. There are five areas of primary. Um, implementation, which is which are the ultimate goals of each uh, contribution contributionism society for the first in the first two years. This is what the goals are: is we want to create free water, free energy, which includes electricity, lights, heat, gas, methanol, and uh, other forms of energy. Free housing, which would include the building materials. Free food which um, has a, a agricultural land optimization. So making sure that we're using the land that we have uh, the, the best way. And free education. So creating a, an entire 
alternate education system, which would um, allow people to develop the skills that they have, you know, and um, would allow them to actually use like when kids are growing up, like play is like the most powerful yep. way that they learn. And it's been proven over and over again. Um, and so the education system would move to more of that kind of a model where they would actually be able to go and do things you know, tactically and, um, and they would learn like concepts and stuff, but it wouldn't be like traditional school where you're sitting in a desk and you have to pay attention and you have to, you know, no, we're, we're going to foster it to the individual's needs. And I, so I love, I love that, that, that makes me excited. Um, and we'll get to the education. Okay. So water, um, is the first thing that we need because water is the, the basis of life, right? We need that. And the water should belong to the people, not the government. So we need to do, the community would then need to do whatever it can to find the cleanest and purest source of drinking water and find experts like, or, and use experts who know what the natural treatments of purifying and energizing water are. Um, so not by adding chemicals, like we're going to be using natural, um, not fluoride, not chlorine. We're not putting that shit in our water. Okay. Right. Um, well, I want to point out that I don't know if we've said this on the podcast, but you're, you're the one who told me it's illegal to collect rainwater in Colorado, isn't it? Aren't you the one who told me that? Yeah, it was. I don't know if they changed that, but yeah, just stupid. Fucking Which is so like weird. It's so weird yeah. because it is, there's a drought. Exactly. So, so why wouldn't, so wouldn't you be, be allowed to get water? So collect, you use less, yeah. yeah, you use less water or from other you sources. The rainwater, you could, you could at least water your, your grass with it or something. So yeah. you're not using other water sources. Yeah. You're not yeah. overusing the other water sources to prevent mm -hmm. people from, you know, eating food or taking a shower or anything like that. Yeah. Like that's oh, yeah. bizarre to it's, me. It's great so, actually. So every single day, um, I, I get the, uh, Colorado public radio newsletters. And so they, they just do like local news from around the state. And in the past couple of weeks, it's, there has been several articles about how the Colorado river is drying up and how we don't know how we're going to get our water and yeah, I mean, it's all out, out west. Of water. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's a, it's a and recurring problem for every state west of totally, totally. But if you think about it, the world, the world is 70% water, 70%. I'm not saying that that's fresh water, but there are ways that like they, they have scientists have developed ways that they can take salt water, seawater, and it's a, a reverse like osmosis uh, process. Yeah, yeah. And it, I know it's very costly and it re requires all this special. Well, and we also don't want to take too much from our oceans. And I get that, but like still collecting rainwater is one simple way to solve totally. a problem. And yes, somebody said you can't do that. Like that's a problem. Okay. Sorry. I just like, I thought I would throw that in there because people may not realize how much water is regulated to understand uh, why oh, the yeah. unregulation of it is important. But like the safety is also important. It's important that we have someone monitoring it to make sure it's safe. But yes, we can discuss about what safe means, safe drinking water means versus not safe drinking water. Oh, well, 
because not, not, a lot yeah. of our water has been contaminated over the years, right, by other industries, mining, uh, oil and gas, you know, whenever you're there. Yeah, doing industry things, in general. Yeah. Industry. Yeah. Um, and so, so in, in this finding the water for the community, um, there are some like ground rules. Um, and you're right. Another way, Michelle, is like in hot, humid areas, you can actually extract the water from the air. And there is, um, I think I mentioned this in the Botanic Gardens, they have that planter, which extracts the moisture from the air, even here in Colorado, which we don't have that much humidity. Yeah, you don't have that much still, moisture. Right, but it's still able to sustain the plants and it like, and it's a circular, circular, regenerative, like sustainable thing. And so if you look at that kind of a system, right, like that's a small little thing right there. But if we imagine if we could literally take those concepts and put it in these communities, like that, that's what we're talking about. So, right, collecting rainwater, getting the moisture from the air, like these are all things that are free, quote unquote free, right? These are all things that we could easily be doing. Um, but then the safety well, and is it's like God given, like, yes, it's it, right? It belongs to us, fucking yeah. belongs to us, okay? I know the the neighbors are probably like, oh, that bitch is screaming again. <laughs> oh, she's mad. Oh, she's mad. Um, so apparently there's a process, a natural process called energizing, which makes the water healthy and even helps prevent and cure many kinds of diseases. And this is based on knowledge of the sacred geometry as discussed earlier. So apparently it goes deeper, Michelle. Okay. Um, water from mountain streams, right? So we can take uh -huh. that, we can harness that. The water reservoirs, um, we can upgrade those to receive the clean mountain water and then distribute it to the houses. Wa uh, water wells uh, is a really good way to have pure, clean water for people. Um, and then elimination of any kind of centralized grid system, which would cause a massive water shutoff if something happened like needs okay. to be removed, right? Because because another part of what he's talking about in this book and um, sorry to, sorry if this is sounds like doomsday, um, but I believe that one day all of these systems are going to fail. And I also believe that um, there are things outside of our control completely like natural disasters, solar flares, you know, shit that come meteorites, like what floods, you know, there, there are, there are like huge things that happen in the, in the, in the world and in the universe that literally we have no control over. So how right. can we make sure that our communities can stay self-sustaining in the event that something like this happens and it will happen. We just don't know when it's going when. to happen. Um, yes. So we just need to make sure that we're off the grid, we're off the main grid and we, the community has its own source for all of these things. So that way, if that happens, we still have a supply of water. We still have our supply of food and everything like that. Um, so as this, as in the supply of energy, we should replace all grids with a localized supply that cannot go down um, and then and plunge everyone without, you know, into no water. So we wanna just make sure that we, we have those. 
resources. Um, and then it might be a good option to create smaller water tanks that can then supply several homes at a time to prevent water shortages if the main supply is damaged in some way. So it's like we can have the main system, but then we can also have these smaller systems that would be backup systems that would be for like this for like smaller sections of each community, if that makes sense. Right. Like um, the sewage, sewage and drain water must be purified and energized with advanced green technology. And then this water could then be used for agriculture and in in dire needs, like if we're in dire straits, um, if there's shortages, we could use it for drinking water too. There are actually effective microorganisms um, or EM uh, which is the primary solution to this problem. And they are readily available and cost almost nothing to brew because they are brewed naturally. The centralized powers have not promoted this knowledge, which is why this is not a widely known thing. Um, and then scientists actually know that structured and, in, and energized water improves the growth of plants and that will be beneficial for the seedling and plant nurseries that can be set right. up so that you can. And then when this water is combined with the effective microorganisms, poor quality soil can also be rehab rehabilitated for organic growing. So it's like if we can treat the water, it not only has benefits on our drinking water and like all of the water that we use, but it can also have um, positive effects when it's treated in a certain way on our agriculture and on our soil so that we can have more food and more crops. And it's, you know, so this, and then if we have any contaminated water, cause there is contaminated water pretty much everywhere. Um, right. It, that will need to be treated by experts. So we will need to find people who have, who are engineers, right? Who have, who are maybe civil engineers who, who deal with water systems and those who know how to treat water, maybe somebody that works at a wastewater treatment plant or something like that. Um, not necessarily with chemicals because that causes diseases and it feeds the pharmaceutical corporations, which we are trying to get away from. Um, but um, with the, the natural uh, scientific processes like EN, EM and I know that they have other um, reverse osmosis and like other cool things that they can do with water that will uh, naturally restore its properties and make it drinkable again. Right. Um, so th th those are just some of the things that we need to think about when we're talking about our water systems in this, you know, contributional contributionism um, model and then energy okay so energy obviously we the people are using all sorts of technology right now and we are very accustomed to living in this lifestyle with um electric electronic devices with petroleum with um different you know coal with uh, different sources that are is used for fuel um which is which is produces energy right so there are obviously different uh versions of um, more sustainable methods. So we've got solar, we've got hydroelectric, you've got wind, you've got geothermal, magnetic gas, ethanol, methane, um, tidal motion. Apparently we you can you can um, create energy by the mo the tide changes. Interesting. And like and obviously tides 
happen every day, right? They come in, yeah. they go out. And so there would be a way that you could tap into that um, to create energy. Um, solar energy is the most obvious, I would say. Um, I would agree, especially here where we have like 300 plus days of sunshine. And um, they actually, with the new technologies and stuff, um, you know, UV rays are produced even when it's when it's cloudy out. Cloudy, so right. You can, right. So you can still harness the, the solar energy. Um, so And then also low wattage LED lights are um, almost indestructible and use very little energy. So if we could couple, you know, the production and then we could use LED light bulbs, for example, everywhere, then that would um, make sure that our, we're not using like too much energy and everything is sustainable. Um, wherever there's a river or waterfall, that is free energy. You just need to harness the power of the water. It's a continuous energy source, which is going to waste. So if you create a hydro turbine and place it in the water or in a waterfall, or even under a, a bridge, um, it won't pollute the water, but it will actually, and it won't use up any of the water, but it will, it will use the, Flowing power energy, of the water power of yeah. the water to create um hydroelectric power which is like hooked up to the generators and then the water wheels um provide the energy and it goes into the generator and then that would provide the whole town with the power it needs and it's a minimal maintenance system and so once it's set up um it should be very easy to maintain so also you could build a little dam, like a basic dam, and then could create like a turbine, like a water turbine, like within the yeah. dam. Um, and then methane gas plant could be at the sewage or landfill site. So you could actually use the water or the methane gas that's being produced from the waste and um, you can extract that gas, that methane gas, and then you can use that gas for hook for cooking, heat, and even light. Um, cow dung, so we can burn the dung that's produced from the cattle. Interesting. Um, because they have they produce like the reason one of the reasons why um, ranching is so harmful to for, with climate change is because cows release so much the methane, methane i remember gas. that yeah yes yes so we can we we can harness that and we can take the methane gas that they're naturally producing and we can use it as energy so that's pretty cool right i didn't know that i didn't i don't know some of this stuff i'm like okay um oh geothermal all right this is cool right some iceland is literally their whole their whole country is, is um energized by ge geothermal um uh stations because they have crazy. so much water because of the glaciers and like yeah. the melting oh so cool yeah so i just happened to know that because i was watching some show i think it was <laughs> was it was it zach efron's show it was do you know what i'm talking about oh yeah yeah. That, yeah that was a good um, one down to earth with zach efron yes they went to iceland and i learned all about yep. it Good show. Recommend it. Plus, Zach is hot. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Okay. Um, <laughs> He's not my type, but it's fine. 
I can understand the beauty of that's, a man. That's that's cool. Listen, he can sing to me. He's smart. He loves sustainability. He's got a <laughs> girlfriend, so he's not available, but that's fine. Hey, Zach, if you're listening, uh, you know, hit me up. Thanks. I'm single and we're the same age. So let's let's get together. Oh, uh, wind turbines. Yep, yep, yep. We can so you can add to the supply wherever necessary by harnessing the power of the wind. Obviously, some places are windier than others. They could be designed and manufactured by the engineers like in the community. So they don't have to be like those huge ass, like big. Yeah, they could be like smaller turbines. ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, geomagmatic. I don't know what that means, but that could be cool. Uh, and then silent magnetic motors. Um, like, oh, that's cool. So they use the magnetic energy to run. And that magnet, the magnetic pole generates a high voltage output um, that could be used actually it, uh, very effectively for home appliances. Hmm. Okay, cool, right? <laughs> We're learning so much. All right. And then the next part of this would be housing, right? We need to make sure we got free housing for all of our peeps. And how can we, how can we plan the town so that it makes the most sense for everybody living in the community so before no. any structures are erected or upgraded or whatever, like within the community. The new, the new council of elders um, have to evaluate the layout of the town currently and find the best town planners, environmental experts and civil engineers to redesign the entire layout of the town for the maximum benefit of the people. Um, so this, this should also include the vision for, of future growth, um, provide for industry and agriculture, and it should also be in absolute harmony with nature. Remember, we are, we are all natural beings and we should be living with nature, not against nature, right? So right. Um, it's so designed by people who understand the flow of energy and can also um, incorporate the whole sacred geometry into all of our designs, which is uh, beneficial for the health of our entire community. And it allows the free flow of energy throughout the entire community. And when he says free flow of energy in this context, I believe he is meaning the, um, the energy of the collective, of the consciousness, not energy that is that is powered by you know, the okay. cool things yeah. I yeah. just told you about. I'm talking about the energy of the consciousness people, of, the, yeah. of people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then so look at the look at the um the layouts of the towns. Most of them are based on grid systems, like most of our town, like in Denver is Denver's a total grid system. Phoenix was a grid system. I don't mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't know if Cleveland is. Is Cleveland a grid city? Uh no, we have a lot of windy, weird roads. I mean, kind of, yeah. but not really. Yeah. No, I thought, yeah, I thought you guys, it wasn't a grid because the roads don't like go all the way through like they do here. Um, I mean, Cleveland's definitely more grid city than its suburbs. <laughs> totally. No, I mean, I'm Denver, like Denver. I mean, downtown Medina, though, is downtown Medina's grid. grid. Yeah. Right, so I think that's like the that's like one of the basic principles of town of um, 
of city planning is I think that they're like, oh, grids make a lot of sense. So grids can be related to nets, which are designed to trap fish, birds, animals, and also humans without even realizing it. So the so-called technology that is supposed to set us free actually creates an invisible energetic trap as part of the matrix. <laughs> so much of our technology is, today is based on grids. So if you think about it, um, we're living in the city Every city has an electric grid. Every city has the water grid. Every city has yep. sewer, uh, uh, you know, all transportation, all that, all the, all the uh, infrastructure is, is based around that grid. So, so he, he's, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and if that grid goes down, which we've seen happen before in major natural disasters, which again, we have no control over, but if we can plan and make our communities like the most sustainable and most effective communities that we can when these things happen and they will happen we can make sure that our our communities are provided for still and that we have a we have water and we have power and we have um you know food supplies and we have all of this stuff for our community okay so we must embark on an extensive building material production so using natural building materials that are available in each unique environment like clay, straw, lime, thatch, wood, stone, and more. Basically any natural resources that we can use to create building materials. Um, I would actually yeah. take it a, a step further and it, we could do, um, you can create bamboo and you can cut bamboo and you can create a ton of stuff from bamboo. And bamboo is actually more sustainable than trees because it doesn't take as long to grow. And it has that root system, which I know we've talked yeah, about. You before, were talking about this in the, in the yeah. earlier episodes. But I also yeah. think um, like I've recently learned about plastic bricking, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yes, that is so cool. And so, so Michelle brought, brought up a big, so obviously, there is all this waste that we have in the world right now that because of all the plastics that are not able to be like recycled or reused the people you're right companies or people have come together and they're like well we could create this we could smash these plastic particles down and we could make um we could press it so hard that it makes a hard enough um block that is actually stronger than some of like some natural materials in, well, so in, what I've seen is people have taken like, imagine I don't simply lemonade like that, that's just what's like a, a juice plastic yeah, yeah, container, yeah, yeah. A juice plastic. and then okay. you cut, and then like in a day, um, like you would take your like I eat pop tarts, so I would take my pop tart and the wrapper and cut it into smaller strips and shove it in there. And then the label for that juice, you cut into smaller strips and shove it in there. It and in like, there. okay, yeah. And so people do this all the time and then send those bricks to companies to be used in building materials. Huh. It's very cool. That is very cool. I'll try to find okay. the TikTok and send it to you. Yeah, I would love to look at that. I think I've seen it before, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, okay, so we could do that, right? That could literally be a community thing that we do where it's like, Okay, well, how can we reuse this waste that we just have? Like, that's yeah. Here. Um, yeah, so I love that. Um, homes that are built from natural materials, or in this case, materials that have been repurposed and meshed into a strong building material, um, they, they, you know, they'll last for a very long time. 
and obviously using the experts that are um, that have experience in construction, home building, that kind of stuff, who create the, these materials. And they can also use this as an opportunity for training people who are attracted to the sector. See, I mentioned that before, right? So I might, I might want to learn how to create building materials. So then the, the experts that already know how to do that, I would then learn from them how to cut bricks or, you know, how to, yeah. how to build. Um, and if we think about some of the homes that have been found by archaeologists, like if you look back at, you know, at history and the ancient humans used these natural um, in, tools to build, you know, think of the adobe houses that were built by the Native Americans like here in the West, right? If you think about like the the ways that that the that these populations were in harmony with the with the environment, like it's, yeah, with their environment, yeah. So yeah, we can allow our artists to create materials that then add an artistic and creative flair to the to the buildings. Like maybe we have artists that come and do murals, or they come and um, they paint the bricks, or they do tiles, or they do something cool, right? That's like. Um, forestry, so wood, if we have wood that grows in the area, you can use the wood to then build like the doors, the furniture, the windows, all of that, because after all, the land belongs to the people, okay, right? Um, we can then, you could establish a sawmill and wood factory where then we have carpenters who are the experts yep. and they, they would build. So like, you know, Rob could, he could be in the freaking, uh, um, thing he could build furniture right that could be his contribution that would be dude cool. like kid that. is so good at and i say kid he's my husband uh he's so good at building things but he yeah. gets so frustrated when he builds things but he's so good at it well that's like fine, you should, but he, i wish the world yeah. could see our entryway it's beautiful and he built it all himself yeah, yeah like right when you walk in where you like keep your we keep our shoes yeah. and our coats yeah. and stuff yeah he that was just like a wall like and they open, had like they had like a, a shelf there or something and I was yeah. like I want built-ins and I was looking to buy built-ins and he was like why would I buy They're them so I can expensive. build them right yeah right. and so then he did and he had the beautiful beadboard background with and then he put the hooks yeah. on and he put the shelf up top so the, there's two shelves up top and then shelf down below for our shoes it's just beautiful no I have seen it yeah no it's very cool. yeah you've been to our house yeah sure. I have Let's, the other system would be um, food, which um, makes each community self-reliant on its own food supply as quickly as possible. Um, and so self-sufficiency and food supply will make towns um, high highly desirable to live in, and they will experience a rapid flow of people from overcrowded cities that are gonna be moving into these rural communities. Um, and then this is the catalyst that will then start the domino effect of causing the neighboring towns to adopt the same way of life um, because it will not take long before people, before the people from the neighboring towns start buying all of their goods from the town where the Ubuntu, you know, practices are being um, it, it implemented because the other towns would actually be able to purchase those goods and services for the a fraction of the price 
compared to what their own town is is producing because they still operate as a normal capitalist system right um so it's important we have to note it's important that that the community that the ubuntu community does not fall into the temptation of becoming a profitable and capitalistic enterprise um the council of elders just has to be mindful that it's not increasing the prices to um to profit or to jeopardize the um ubuntu contributionism principles for the lure of money but rather we're allowed like the money is allowing all the people to live in the community and be happy and be cared for and then any money that's collected goes back into that community so it's not we're not making profit we're literally anything that's collected goes right back into the community and so that's how that that's how that goes so the pot like people um we have to give support to the farmers in order for them to create the food for us right and so a lot of the money systems that have to be put into place would be to buy seeds and to make sure that the soil is is properly producing and to make sure that we have enough land and if we need to buy more land right then that would be something that that we could purchase with the funds that are in the trust um and um it must like the food's going to be organic it's going to be non-gmo it's going to literally be produced like in the community and we um if if you you know we don't have enough land we could also reach agreements with farmers like individual farmers to like use their land as well um and then they could so i i think i touched on this like in the first episode but basically if a farmer is going to like let the community use their land then they would be able to keep a third of all yeah it was like they keep the part of it yeah. yeah 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 and then they give the remainder to the community um so we also what should be done is establishing a communing dining hall um as one of the first projects which would gain more confidence of the people to that we're actually showing them that we're um it's not an empty promise like we're actually going to provide them with food and so then we should actually be providing one good meal a day for any hungry homeless or people that are that cannot afford the food so there might be orphans in the community there might be old but they wouldn't people. we wouldn't want them to be homeless right because the whole idea would be they wouldn't be homeless because shelter and stuff that like is, that would be provided for them that is correct michelle but since we're still in this phase of like in the starting point gotcha 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 there gotcha. still are going to be people that are suffering from um from the the dire consequences yeah. of capitalism to qualify for the meal though like to go with the model people will have to do their three hours of community work per week like if there's empty buildings that were like municipal buildings you can we could repurpose that building and create a kitchen like a community kitchen with some tables and chairs and we can get some of those jobless people or homeless people at that at that time um, with the right skills they could then become the cooks and they could do the cooking and um after so we if we started out with like one meal a day for the community eventually once we get enough enough people that want to be in the kitchen and that's what their service is and they want to contribute that then we could actually go to two to three meals a day where literally everybody in the community could come to our communal kitchen and they could get the food that 
you know, they could get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, maybe some snacks. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, and funds for the kitchen um, can come from, so if we, we recycle, and so we're going to use the principles, reduce, reuse, recycle, but also. Yeah, you talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have a community bakery so that people can bake a large number of breads to provide the people with bread at a very low cost. I have a question about stores. Is it like, are they manned? Because then it would be more than three hours of work or people like how, is there any information about that or is that too complicated? Because I know you're just kind of going over the overview, but like, and that's fine if you don't have an answer. I feel like it could be figured out. I feel like what it would be is it would be these community um, centers. And so how that would work is we would have like the one, the kitchen, right? Like the community mm-hmm. kitchen. And then this what we would have like the community bakery. And then you would have like a community. Um, so like with the bakery, people bakes. would spend their three hours yeah. baking yeah. the goods. And, so, and then right. people can come and then like they are, when they're done, they're done. They put, they bake them, they put them on the shelves, totally. they leave. And, and, and then people yeah, can yeah, yeah. come and take. And because we don't have to yes. worry about gluttony or any of those types of things, like people take what they or need because they know it. Ex- yeah. They know yeah. that it's our, it's already readily available. So they could just Correct. come and go and get what they need. And yeah. Right. So I think that, um, the concept of shops exactly would not be the same as it is today in this capitalist society. We would have people that would make the food, that would bake the bread, that would do that, and then it would just be available in that, in right. that space. And um, I don't, I don't think we need shopkeepers or you know, unless that's yeah, unless I mean- that's what's. Unless that's what somebody wants to contribute, like I can man the bake, all man the bakery for right. an hour today or whatever, you know, like. Um, so I think you're, but I agree. It would just, it would look different than what we have today because we don't, and let's be honest. The only reason we have people manning stores is for money exchange, which no longer exists. And then keep up, which, but we wouldn't have to, like someone could volunteer their time to clean up the space. Somebody would be exactly. Somebody would be contributing. They would go and clean up. That would be one of their right but because the also the idea though would be you wouldn't trash it because it's your community so you if you drop something you pick it up and take it to the like and you dispose of it if you spill something you go get the stuff you you need to clean it up up. exactly we're we're not relying on other people who it's their quote-unquote job to pick up the shit or exactly because you clean up after yourself you're grown-ass adult Yes. Sorry. Yes. And, and it benefits the community. You're right. That's exactly right, Michelle. You're getting it. By golly, she's got it. She's <laughs> she's getting the she's getting the bug. She's she's feeling it. She's feeling it. Well, so what um, what I'm doing is I'm kind of thinking about like what oppositions might be heard. What what do we do now? Where are the problems that come in and what would be the solution in this system? That's kind of how I'm thinking about it and how my questions yep. are kind of being directed. Yes. And that is exactly what he told you to do. So you're doing a great job. Um, so then we would have things like we would have chicken, free range chickens. They would be like free, just like the people, right? And then we could mm-hmm. use them for eggs and meat. Um, then we would need um, 
growth tunnels. So depending on where we are, like we would probably want to create some sort of a greenhouse situation so that we could literally produce vegetables and herbs and those types of things all year round. Um, we would want to have some sort of um, fruit trees, if we could plant fruit trees and nut trees um, that would then, that would actually be female producing and they would actually produce the fruit and the nuts on an annual basis. Um, and then obviously um, those from creating the, the, um, tree, the fruit trees and like the systems, like that would actually create many different spinoff products because once you harvest the fruit, then we could make jams and we could, and the nuts, you could make um, nut milk, right? If you wanted to make a, a, a different form, if we had people with um, dairy um, milk. Um, what's Allergies, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we could have our, we could have fish farms. So even if we're not, um, like I said, even in Colorado, if I wanted to mine tilapia, like our farm tilapia, I could do that. Like I, there, there is a, there is a tilapia farm in Alamosa, which is super random. That's where the sand dunes are for anybody that's into Colorado or knows about really? the sand dunes. Yeah. Um, I know all about the also, sand dunes. They also have an alligator farm in Colorado, which is super random. But yeah, so I'm, I'm just saying we can farm a lot of different things. So the production and supply of food to the community will provide a good model for understanding of how to implement the same in other sectors of the of industry and manufacturing i know that we're not alone in this michelle there are millions of people that think like we do um and like my friend alex after listening to the last episode she was like hey i just want you to know janine that there are people out there like us who think like we do and there are already communities out there that are like this and i just learned actually from my friend um his sister lives in california in a community like this um and like uh like my friend Alex, she wants to create a community like this in Vermont, right? And I mentioned like Vermont last yeah. time. Um, and it's just, so I'm like, uh, it makes me happy to see that there are people that are like, that that have this notion already, but it's just- Yeah, that um, are doing it. It's just getting people to talk yeah. about it and understand it and not see yeah. it as a crazy cult, but to see yes, it as it's what community. it's intended to be, yeah. Yeah, so there's obviously going to be members of our community who are who are passionate teachers, who excel at teaching, who want to educate people, um, and that's their calling. And you know they want to be able to 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 give back to the community, but then they won't have to worry about how much money they're not making, right? And, right. and they're able to like they're able to use to to use their knowledge and their passions, and they're able to like to to teach and and do that without needing to worry about how much they're not making and how they have to maybe take a second or third job in order to even provide for their families, you know, like that, like that, ladies and gentlemen, that's a real fucking thing in this country. Like teachers make shit. Healthcare workers probably don't make enough money either. Uh, all the service, all the people that are doing like good work for the community probably don't make enough, but that's what that's this true. system would eliminate, right? Because we are all contributing and, and we don't need to make money. We're all just like, utilizing the the thing it sounds so beautiful i want it right now he's right <laughs> i want it right now okay um create uh daycare and learning centers where children from an early age can begin to explore and then learn the important things in life um 
which as opposed to the current system of indoctrination. Okay, there you go, Michelle. There we go. Okay, Thank so you. education, education, not indoctrination. Yes. And we we can have this alternative education system, um, which must be initiated immediately. So it seems like for this model to work, you know, we've got this transition phase and it should take a couple years for the initial transit transition phase to, you know, be implemented. But it seems like obviously we're going to have to have all of these things kind of going at once, I would say, you know, we need to get the water, we need to get the energy, we need to get the food, and then we need to make sure that the education, like we're changing the education system right away. And we, so it's just like, it seems like all of these things would be going um, all at the same time. And in theory, we would have a large enough community that we could address um, many of these issues like at one. The education would change completely in our new social structure where the focus is on providing abundance for our communities while expressing our own creativity and talents. All teaching and learning in our community will be done by master teachers who are appointed by the community because they are respected and honored by the people of the community for their specialized skills, talents, abilities, and craftsmanship. This means that the communities will have many masters with an infinite variety of skills across many subjects. Because part of the lifestyle in the Ubuntu communities will be a long list of new things that people do, which is unimaginable to us at present. People will create and participate in many activities that were previously not possible for the lack of money or because it was simply not financially viable. Our skilled artists and artisans um, and the people that are like experts in each field should become, should be the teachers of our children and um, creative expression and scientific, you know, every sort of expression is going to be celebrated in this new form of education. Um, we we want to make sure that all of our kids are becoming the masters in the in the um, spaces that they they want to that you know things right we want to be able to to nurture them and to make sure that they become who they want to become and to master um the skill set so that they can then contribute that back to the community once they're old enough to to do their contribution contributionism so the children that are growing up in the ubuntu communities will actually belong to the whole community like in the sense that the community takes extra special care of the children of the community um, so there should be no homeless children no hungry children or uneducated children so it's like the the goal of the community is to make sure that all of our children are being taken care of and are being educated because one day they're actually going to be giving back to the community right and right so it's like it's to our best. They're the next generation. Exactly. That contribute. So we want to make yes, exactly. So um, all all of the children would get the same opportunities from the earliest age possible. So therefore, kindergartens and um, like preschools would take on a different look, feel, and function. So we we would have community daycare and night care centers, which would be the foundation of. The learning for the younger children and in these centers they will also receive unlimited health care and the best nutrition possible um, since they are in their most vulnerable years of life and their most most form formidable years of life um, the centers would be managed by many people right so the different contributors that would 
you know, contribute their time to this, um, who are highly specialized in their respective fields, like nutrition and healthcare, and appointed by the community to care for the children. Um, there would also be skilled people appointed to be the developers of the educational materials used, and they would be able to develop these materials without any restriction of any kind. The early learning will take place in the form of interactive games and other innovative techniques. They actually retain a lot more information when they play simple games um, yep. and participate in an interactive way. And um, this will also help them um, become, I guess, stronger members of um, the community because their self-esteem and their self-beliefs and everything won't be sh inherently shattered by an environment that they're not meant to thrive in. Yes. I guess. It's, yeah. So yeah, it will, there's going to be toys and tools and books and instruments and different technologies and different programs um, um, before they then venture out and learn them on a practical level. Um, so they're, we're going to bring back art. So they're going to be learning painting and drawing and music and um, they're going to be experimenting with all these different things to find what, what works best for them. They will also learn reading and writing, um, but then we want to teach them about love and respect and um, how we interact with our planet. And um, they're going to learn about natural things like soil and water and air and sunlight, learn how the things grow and why, learn about all the animals and plants and insects and learn how to plant and grow seeds, um, learn where the food comes from and how it's grown or made, learn about composting and earthworms, the nature cycles, um, and just be as diverse as possible. Yeah. And then once they're around six years old, they will start to participate in short half-day workshops, which starts them with their hands-on practical activities to learn these skills in greater detail. Um, so, and they want to be um, exposed to as many different activities and skills as possible to keep their minds stimulating and wanting more. They will visit as many masters as possible. So, like, you know, every single master in the community will have an opportunity to, <laughs> to instruct um, the children. Um, also, physically, we're going to have, like, we're going to have PE, but it's going to be different. Like, we're going to teach them yoga and martial arts. And um, it's more about keeping the body active, not about stupid running a mile yeah, in yeah, yeah, a yeah. certain amount yeah, of time yeah. and all that crap. Exactly. We want them to be strong, fit, flexible, focused, confident, energetic, and extremely healthy. So, on yeah. The mental, and then on the mental, it's just front, appreciating movement. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, also, children love to watch people. Um, at this age and things are pretty excited. So they are inspired to get involved and they want to participate um, or imitate and that we must foster that. So kids must be able to be, to participate. You know, I remember like when Ben was in preschool, um, the preschool that he was in was really cool. Um, and they just redid, they just rebuilt all the schools in my district like um, four years ago. So all the schools are like brand new and they all have like really cool STEM rooms or steam rooms now. And they have like an art room and like the preschool had like a kitchen 
and one of their curriculums is they would um, they would have weekly or monthly um, like a the parent would volunteer and I know this because I volunteered the parent would volunteer and then you would teach the kids um, how to cook and so the kids would actually get to um, to do it even though they're four and five years old you know we would use like plastic knives or whatever and they would be cutting um, like peppers for example like we we made like a salad one time and then like another time we did something with fruit and like another time so it's just like things like that you can start kids out pretty young absolutely tasks like that and they well and they can also you can also start them out very young being self-sustainable like they still need some help Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. have you seen like those little kitchens that have water and they have their own little fridge and they like make their own food it's so great i can't wait to have kids to do that that would be so adorable. An actual hook up to the water line so that they can actually have their little the little kitchen space. Oh. So yeah, cool. or I don't know if it's hooked up to the water line or if it's like there's like a tank in there. I don't know, but it's still cool either way. Because they actually get to like, oh, I'm gonna do the dishes. I'm gonna like I'm doing all the things that like mom and mom and dad do. I'm just um doing it on my small little thing. So yeah, they would exactly. They would be exposed to farming, baking, woodwork, building, engineering, sewing, music, arts, chicken. You know, they would go and look at, collect eggs. They would milk cows. They would, you know, they would see how the cheese and butter is made and how cotton is spun and how carpets are woven and all of the things. Um, and then and then we would want them to actually plant. We want them to actually see, you know, this is how we plant food and and these are the little seedlings look where you're planting these little babies and guess what when you're older you get to see this seedling come to fruition and it's going to be a tree and then you're going to be in this community and it's just like a beautiful it's just like some symbolic you know like um yeah i love that here's a fun fact by the age of seven a child growing up in the amazon can recognize two thousand individual plant species because they were they were educated in the actual environment and they were taught all of these things and now they can identify. So that's awesome. Yeah. We'll participate in sports and cultural activities and recreational activities and sculpting, everything in everything in art, everything in music. Um, they're going to explore that. Children will then also be encouraged to come up with creative solutions to the challenges of the community. So they should actually be involved in those meetings where um, they go and they tell these ideas to the Council of Elders. Kids have amazing ideas and um, we should listen to them because they they don't have any of the negativity that we have, right? As adults, like we've been in this system for too long. They don't have any of that. So they're they're tapped in, right? Their higher higher level of consciousness is above some of the adults in our, in the community, and so I think that 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 would be so cool if they could have their input on the community and actually get to see what their ideas change and like how it's implemented. Like I just think that's amazing. So then, when the kids get older, um, they it's they're still doing their hands on learning and their workshops. Um, but it's just going to be longer. They're just going to do it for a longer period of time. And they'll go from a half day to a full day. 
um, to several days in a workshop to a week, then two weeks, a month, and so on. So if we're promoting them to use their natural skills, that's just like going to totally help their them to realize their own natural skills and talents. And they're going to be like, I, I think their self-esteem would be better, right? I think. Well, and it sounds a little bit like Montessori, but not like yeah. Americanized Montessori, yeah. but like actual Montessori where they learn yeah. their own interests and stuff like that. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so by the time the children are 12 years old, um, so they'll all they'll already have a pretty good idea of what they're really good at, what drives them, what excites them, and what they want to do in life to contribute to the abundance of their community um, while satisfying their own creative needs. So then between the ages of 12 and 14, um, it's just, you know, the hands-on learning and workshops get longer and the number of skills will be reduced and they'll become more aligned with what they actually want to do. So they'll start weeding out things that are like, no, I don't like that at all. Actually, that doesn't bring me joy. I want to focus on this and this sector. And so then their training will become more um, specified to what they're looking for. And no child is ever forced to do anything that they don't want to do. So everyone is given complete freedom to pursue only what they are attracted to. And then from the age of 14 to 16, the, the kids will then only have a few chosen skills, and then they'll continue to master those skills for the next two years. Um, and then um, they can now be seen as mini. So these are, are seen as mini internships with the masters. Um, the master teachers and during which time the skills of the children will truly be refined and leading up to this point every child will also have spent time teaching the younger children and um, no traditional cultures have ever segmented children to the extent we do today older children teaching younger children is an absolute requirement of any system of learning in their 16th year Every child will do their final internship with their preferred subject, with their master teacher. And then when they're 16 years old and they've gone through, you know, their last internship and all their workshop and everything like that, um, they will then have mastered, they'll, they'll have like mastered their skill and then they'll be able to start contributing. They'll, they'll start contributing their three hours um, a week at that okay. point when they're more they're now like in the field working under the master of that like of that field kind of like um, an apprenticeship exactly and the master then determines um when the master determines that he can no longer teach the student anymore or that the student has attained the highest level of skills that that master can teach he will then appoint that student as a master himself or herself okay themselves Okay, this is how the respect of the community gets passed on to new people who have mastered their skills and it keeps expanding the number of people who can take on the important role of teaching the children to become highly skilled and clear thinking individuals. So basically everybody, there are literally plans for every single sector. Like as I- Yeah, they, they, so you just did like an overview and like touched on some deeper points, but there are even more deeper points. It's just, it, totally, totally, it would totally. be yes. uh, way too much. Uh, it would be yeah, way, like, it would be way too long if, um, if we went into all of this. So yeah, I'll just, here's just the conclusion is basically we got to, we've got to share our new knowledge with everyone. 
Um, growth is an incredible thing. And when a little seed is planted, we cannot imagine how many fruits and seeds it will generate in its lifetime. So this is the amazing and unpredictable abundance of nature. So now that we know, we now have to distribute those seeds of knowledge and information as far as we can, every single one of us. We cannot remain silent spectators in this spectacular conscious explosion taking the planet by storm. Let us participate and share our knowledge with everyone, planting the seeds of consciousness everywhere we go. We are not alone and it is up to us to create the future we want for ourselves and all future generations. Thoughts are powerful tools. Use them wisely and productively. Visualize the utopia that we all want and deserve as living, breathing human beings of infinite soul. Let us manifest a new world in our lifetime here. Sorry, lose your <laughs> it has It has no place. Let go of it, yeah. Yes, in an infinite universe of love, and we are going to start the global Ubuntu explosion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only out of unity can we attain infinite diversity. So be it. Yeah. Whoa. All right. Yeah. So I definitely saw, I definitely saw today more less cultiness. Thank um, you. Yeah, and I understood more of it's kind of the idea um and i liked that the communities like the idea of communities that kind of have their own way so then it, it also seems less culty yes. if that makes sense totally because community and cults are like obviously part of culture is why you derive the word cult from right but if we right. can be community focused and it's like a circle, it's a, we're creating this circular effect is what it is. We're creating these circular communities where everything that we do in the one community stays in that community and it keeps benefiting the community. And so it's an eternal circle of love and goodness. And we're just creating all these awesome things. And um, yes. So, yeah. Okay. And um, were you satisfied with my, um, answer about how people with disabilities would fit into this um, plan of action? Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. So, well, y'all, that, like I said, um, we could, you could deep dive. You can deep dive into these. <laughs> you can really deep dive. If, if you want to. Um, I, I hope that we, I gave you a, a good enough overview of like what this might look like if we started to, um, actually do this if we actually started to implement this um and uh, we really do want to know what your thoughts are so if anybody has any other questions or ideas or if you have any property you know that you'd like to uh donate to the contribution because <laughs> you know that would be great <laughs> that would be great and preferably with water you got some water cool i want it a water source yeah a water source i want a water source thank you all right yeah so that's it for this love month's it topic and next month michelle will pick something i don't know what i don't know what she's gonna tell i already about. have it picked actually oh she does i don't keep it keep us in suspense yeah nope know. i'm gonna keep you in suspense oh goody okay well everybody 
um, sending tons of love and light to you all. And let's just channel our Ubuntu consciousness, okay? Let's create this world. Let's do it. I believe in us. Okay. Got it. All right. All right. Peace I'm, out, I'm, homie. I'm, peace out. <laughs> hey, guys. It's Michelle. Thank you so much for listening to Unlimited Growability Conversations. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to to help open up this conversation to new listeners. If you want more information about things we discussed today, go ahead and visit unlimitedgrowability.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unlimited Growability, or you can reach out and send us an email at unlimitedgrowability at gmail.com.
Hey guys, it's Michelle. Thank you so much for listening to Unlimited Growability Conversations. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to to help open up this conversation to new listeners. If you want more information about things we discussed today, go ahead and visit unlimitedgrowability.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unlimited Growability, or you can reach out and send us an email at unlimitedgrowability at gmail.com. <laughs>